0: NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with
1: iHeartRadio.
2: It's Monday, April 10th, and you're listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast.
1: That is the voice of today's special guest. She is the host of NFL Total Access, the broadcast, the <laughs> co-host of the L Huddle podcast. She's a Dolphins fan who will be asked today to testify on behalf <gasps> of an enemy. She's MJ Acosta Ruiz. Welcome back to the pod, MJ.
2: <laughs> oh, I can't wait for that chat.
1: <laughs> I am your host, NFL Network senior writer, Andrew Levy. And on today's show, OBJ to the Ravens, big name. Big move and a big deal, up to $18 million for a one-year deal. Is this a good fit? Is this a sign Lamar is close to signing? Is it the carrot required to get him to sign? That's coming up. Plus, top five running back prospect Jameer Gibbs, Alabama, by way of Georgia Tech. Before an NFL team calls his name in the draft, we are calling his name to the show. And which NFL team is winning the offseason? Official award? No. There is a team in the NFC who feels like if it was an official award, they'd win it. Who are they and why the flex? Oh, and of course, TikTok, TikTok. we're on the clock. It's our countdown to the draft. Picks up in New York, well, technically ten and a half miles northwest of Times Square in East Rutherford, New Jersey, for an examination and a celebration of the New York Jets. No, not those New York Jets. These New York Jets. Ah, that's more like it. But Jets fans not known for subtle emotions, MJ, and internal monologues may soon have a hell of a lot less of a reason to complain as the expected arrival of Aaron Rodgers, along with one of the best young rosters in the NFL, promises great things. But how great? That's the question coming up. But first, this. Stafford deals. Short, juggled,
3: and dropped. And OBJ goes down, favoring his left leg. Oh, what a scary reaction that is from Odell Beckham Jr., and I hope that that is not a serious non-contact injury.
1: 421 days after the injury that cut short his participation in Super Bowl 56, the injury that cut off his participation in the entire 2022 season, Odell Beckham Jr., has a new team, OBJ, reps the Ravens now. Big name, big move, big deal. Mm-hmm. Up to $18 million for a one-year deal. $13 million signing bonus, 1.1 base salary. MJ, I like an NFL with OBJ in it. Do you like a Ravens roster with OBJ on it?
2: Yeah, I mean, this has to be the splashiest thing that the Ravens have done in a while, especially to complement Lamar uh, Jackson. Look, if you're trying to smooth things over with your estranged quarterback, this is a great, great way to start. And the two of them know each other. We saw the screenshot on Instagram stories. Actually, the Ravens have it up on their website of the two of them on FaceTime. This is this is a good first step. I didn't know if um, – obj especially after all of the injuries was going to be a wide receiver one right we saw what a beautiful compliment he was with the rams in their super bowl winning season but one thing we know for sure about obj he wants to be wide receiver one and is a guy who will constantly go out there to prove that he is so i i love this for them they haven't had something this big this splashy in quite some time and i think it's a first step in in getting Lamar on on the better side of, of what's going on between he and the team.
1: Well, the obvious follow-up addresses this presumed, hoped-for, mm-hmm. certainly by Ravens fans, ripple effect. The Lamar Jackson ripple effect. You mentioned they were spotted out together mm-hmm. this weekend. Is this an enticement for Lamar to sign, or through one prism could it be another invitation for lamar to believe that the ravens value others more than
2: they value him i think it's they're trying to say hey at minimum please just play this year because remember this is what a one-year deal for uh obj so it's not like they're saying just play this year obj is going to be here in the long run this is for right now this upcoming season that's what i'm focused on and i think it from their end, from the Ravens' end, it's a smart way to do this. Like, hey, let's just get through this year. We know we gave you the non-exclusive franchise tag. It's not what you expected for. Way less money than you probably should be getting paid. But hey, we could really make a run here and be really aggressive um, as we go into the 2023 season.
1: I find the math interesting, Mm -hmm. if not intentional. If you aggregate the $18 million, the the ceiling for Mm -hmm. the OBJ deal, and the non-exclusive franchise tag, which is 32. Yep. It's $50 million, precisely what Lamar Jackson is asking for to be guaranteed per annum. Yeah.
2: A little bit of a statement there. For sure. It's 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 a little bit of a jab that stings because we're certainly not the only ones who are doing the math here. Um, Lamar and his camp certainly are as well. So I, I think it's a step in the right direction. And here's what I think in terms of the two of them chatting, putting out the face, the Instagram pictures, are out at the club. Hey, this could be great, but you still got to pay your quarterback.
1: Yeah, you still got to pay so, your quarterback.
2: So, I mean, this can go both ways, right? Like, it, it's a sign perhaps of – of a, of good faith on the Ravens side, but Lamar could be like, look how great the two of us could actually be, but how are playing. This could be us, but you don't want to pay me.
1: This is not a headline grab. This is an area of need, intense yeah. need. Since 2019, they are dead last in the NFL in yards mm-hmm. per game from their wide receiver unit. I think you have to assume that OBJ contacted Lamar, had been in contact with Lamar prior to putting pen to paper for this deal. And you know, Mm -hmm. maybe we infer that if I'm OBJ, there's no way I'm signing with the Ravens unless I've talked to Lamar Jackson and I've asked him, dude, are you playing this year? Are you, right. Right. I have a few options. I'm not yeah. going to put pen to paper for Tyler Huntley. No disrespect to Tyler Huntley. None. But the fact is, I'm coming to play there with you. Mm-hmm. Tell me you're going to be there. If you say yes, then I'm signing. I feel like in that way, this is the sign we've been looking for.
2: Yeah. There, there must have been some conversation. If at bare minimum, just like, A, just respecting you here as the guy who I have to have this chemistry and this connection with out on the field. What's the deal, man? Like, what are you thinking? Do you think that this is going to be resolved? Or maybe even as a, a, an olive branch, like, I really want this to work. I really want to come here. Like, you convince me that I should come here and that I should sign. So I, I think it, it goes both ways for both of these guys. But to your point about watching that video, like, let's not forget that celebration at the club was for OBJ's contract, not for Lamar's. That Maybe that was that moment because I, I, I'd still be a little salty, to be honest.
1: Can you accelerate a healing process? Is this step one? You mentioned step one, but is it step one to an overall conclusion or just Band-Aid step one for this day, this moment?
2: I think it's triage for sure. You do. A little Band-Aid, a little gauze, a little ointment, and you hope that it heals well under there.
1: Okay, so the Ravens won the race to sign OBJ, but who can claim victory in this offseason so far? David Carr insists the answer is easy.
2: Lots of teams boosting their rosters yes. here, but in your opinion of all the moves that we've seen happen, which team won free agency?
3: Well, I think free agency is is tricky because there can be teams that make moves. They can go trade. They can sign free agent players. When I look at the Dallas Cowboys and the division that they're in, they had to make something happen, right? So you took my man, Stephon Gilmore. Stephon Gilmore, I thought, had an excellent season in Indianapolis. They just happened to be not very good. But he was playing good football. You can say, oh, he left New England. He kind of fell off. No, this guy was still at the top of his game. He still did a good job of shutting down half the field. And now that you add him in Dallas with Trayvon Diggs, I think that's fantastic. And then you talk about what they're going to do on the offensive side and adding Cooks. Cooks a veteran wide receiver that's going to still be able to take the top off the coverage opposite CeeDee Lamb. And I think that the Dallas Cowboys offense is going to go through Tony Pollard. It's going to be a run-first offense, so therefore more play-action pass, more shots down the field. I love the way that this thing is is forming together because the defense has already been maybe one step ahead. I know the offense was still productive, but defensively, I thought they made a big step last year being physical. And I think that the offense sees that, and now they're going to have to do that to compete with the teams that we see at the top of that division.
1: We interrupt this podcast to bring you a very special guest, a running back prospect, the pride of the Catamounts, the Dalton High School Catamounts in Georgia, the pride of the Yellow Jackets, the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, of course, and the pride of the Crimson Tide. Only one of those. He ripped off a 4.38 at the NFL scouting combine. He's 5'9". He's 199. He's Jameer Gibbs. Mike Yam,
4: take it from here. Jameer Gibbs is going to be one of the first running backs take him in the NFL draft. He is a transfer from Georgia Tech to Bama. Jameer, appreciate you stopping by with us, man. Take me into the room. When you're thinking about transferring, what's the pitch from Nick Saban?
5: Oh, uh, you no, know, it wasn't nothing crazy. You know, he's uh, businessman, he told me... Uh, had a great opportunity ahead of me, and I just got to make the most of it. And you know, that's all I needed was opportunity, so I took it.
4: Well, you got the opportunity. You have made the most of it, which is a reason why we're talking about you as one of the best running backs available in the draft. You led the team rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, receptions. Also contributed in special teams in the return game as well. As a receiver, though, how did you develop those skills?
5: Uh, I think it was when I was younger, backyard, always playing uh, football, always playing 7-on-7 and stuff, and I always wanted to be the one to catch the ball and scoring. So I think it just came pretty natural to me. At well, early age
4: you've been able to take that to another level uh, jameer i don't know how much you spend online looking at the mock draft seeing where people have you we're sort of addicted to it here on our set but i have seen your name in particular associated with so many teams how much anxiety is there for you in this process not knowing where you're really going to end up in a couple months
5: uh it's a lot but um i'm grateful i'm thankful for it i'm blessed to be here uh a lot of people would um, want to be in my position, so I don't take it for granted. So I really try to make the most of it.
4: Well, I've seen, once again, not only your name all over mock drafts, but a lot of comparisons to what you can do. Alvin Kamara comes to mind. Christian McCaffrey's name has been thrown out there. Those are two of the best dudes to, to have done it over in, in recent memory. Who do you think your game reminds you most of? Out of, the, uh, out of those two? Uh, anyone. I just Other people have been talking about that. I think those are fair comps, but you might actually have a better one.
5: Uh, I think I have a um, mixture between like Chris McCaffrey and Jamal Charles. You know, uh, Chris McCaffrey versatile and um, can do everything, run routes out the backfield, go out in the slot or out wide and run routes. But I think I'm um, a little bit faster than him. So that's why I bring up Jamal Charles with his breakaway speed and his burst and acceleration and stuff.
4: It's kind of cool when you could talk about those dudes and go. You know what? They're fast, but also got some wheels as well. Um, I I think one of the really interesting things Brian Baldinger had said this about you um, a couple weeks ago. He said, "Hey, there's limited wear and tear on Gibbs's body." You were actually 13th in the SEC in terms of carries a season ago. Just for context, because we showed the numbers for Bijan Robinson, he had 107 more carries than you did. I don't know about next year, but over the next few seasons, how do you think the less wear and tear that you had in your senior campaign and over the course of your college career helps you when you get to Sunday NFL football?
5: Uh, I won't you know, I won't come into training camp and uh OTAs with a bunch of bumps and bruises. I'd be frustrated to go and I think uh throughout the course of my career it'll just uh expand and it'll just only get better from there.
4: Jameer, I, I think one of the other things when we get a lot of these prospects on, we ask them about this journey. I heard in Indianapolis the Eagles had you shoot basketballs and yeah. the Cowboys I think had you throw in darts. Anything weird That's- on any of these team visits that you've been doing?
5: Uh no, not on team visits, but those uh those uh, those threw me off when I walked in the uh room for the combine. I think it was more of like a competitive thing. See how competitive I was. So That was pretty cool that they did
4: that. It it was bullseye consistently, right, with those darks?
5: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 (laughs) even if it was, just say yes, no one else
4: was there.
0: (laughs) You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring,
2: we
1: You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. I'm your host, NFL Network senior writer Andrew Levy, and with me today, MJ Acosta Ruiz, the host of NFL Total Access, the broadcast, and the co host of the L Huddle podcast. MJ, the next topic is humanity and humility and humor, and it is all in one place, and it was all in one person. Today would have been John Madden's 87th North. birthday. In the way of honoring this man, MJ, I just want to ask you: Where does your mind go when you think about John Madden?
2: I mean, he's—he's—he was all of our. It's still weird to say was, right? Um, He was all of our favorite uncle on game day, right? Isn't that the uncle? (laughs) It's like the perfect way to say it. He's the uncle you know was going to make you laugh, but break down the game with such insight, such nuance, such character that you really didn't see. And all of it was so authentic; you couldn't help but fall in love with him. It wasn't a shtick or a skit or or, or some device to like get your attention. You could feel through the screen, through his voice, how much he genuinely lived and breathed this game that we all love. I just keep thinking back to my dad who came here in his thirties to this country, didn't know anything about NFL football. But when he first started getting into the game, man, did he know John Madden immediately, right? To this day. I remember when he passed, I was talking to my dad about it. And he's like, that was how I learned. American football, not speaking a lick of English, but he understood exactly what John was trying to get through this through the screen. And I think there are so many stories like that for folks who have loved the game their entire lives, who are just getting into the game even now and that will live on through the game itself. Literally the video game. Right. That so many play now. So he's so ubiquitous um, and synonymous with NFL football that um, I mean, I don't think his legacy will ever ever go away
1: no i don't think so either and you're so right you know he wasn't slick not by a long shot but he was sophisticated he wasn't polished Mm -hmm. but he was so professional and you mentioned laughing and i feel like for me that's my first memory of john madden as experienced through my memory of my father is that we used to watch a lot of washington football games together And when John Madden was calling the game, I remember there was a laugh that came from my dad. And it was the first time that I ever heard dad laugh at an NFL game. Normally he was pretty (laughs) overwrought with anxiety about what Washington was doing. My father hated holding penalties more than anybody in the whole world. And yet when John Madden did a game, I would always hear my father laugh because John had a way, Mr. Madden had a way of talking about these things that humanized the moment. It wasn't yes. just about the play. He invited you to understand process, that that big ugly, that <laughs> lineman, <laughs> yeah. with the shirt hanging out and the gut and yeah. the sweat, and the he, that he had a way of making you look a little bit closer to what that man just went through right. to do what he did. And mm-hmm. so in that way, there was this sophisticated, oddly right. nuanced approach. He really did invite us to understand the game differently, never losing sight of the fact that they weren't X's and O's, they were in fact
2: Jimmy's and Joe's. Jimmy's
1: and Joe's. Mm-hmm. They were human beings out there. And he invited you to kind of go with them on this human journey that maybe you and I were never going to go on. Right. But that we could vicariously through John and his expertise and his understanding and his experience, see it. And yes, maybe feel it and even listen to it maybe in 100%. a way that was different. You know, mm-hmm. he would call out the sound of a hit, the sound of the ball hitting the hand or the sound of the way one person or another person would tackle or be tackled. You know, like some people say, you know, that, that stick. he says, boom, I just, I, that's that's why I'm too good. Boom, you hit him. I mean, that's boom. Boom, right to the ground. You don't change the word. Some people say, you know, they run in there and they collide or something. I mean, it hits in there, boom.
0: That's what I say. He makes a little basketball twist there and pivot, and boom, the ball's there right again between the eight and the nine. Oh, is he happy.
1: This is a guy who, don't forget, his John Maddenisms. There are thousands of them, oh my God. literally thousands of them. But this is a man who said things like, "The road to easy street goes through the sewer." <laughs> you know, he knew what it took, yeah. right? He understood. And what you it know took.
2: exactly what he means yes, when he exactly. says things like that. Like, if you just listen to the words, you're like, "Wait, what?" But in the context of him speaking it and breathing life into the game through his Maddenism, we're like, "I get it." I know exactly what you're talking about because there in sentences like that, he's talking about the grit of the game, the blood, sweat, and tears. Like, to get to the pinnacle of this game, you have to run through it. It hurts. It smells. It sucks. But at the end of the day you're up in glory so you instantly understand what he means and the layers in between the words yeah he was an artist in that sense he was
1: and you're right he would make references to smells he would you'd see a big (laughs) guy you'd see some six foot eight inch you know 300 pound lineman man, and he would call he would draw your attention to the sweat the beads of sweat Mm -hmm. the fact that and he would say things like yeah you probably don't want to stand next to too close to that guy right now but then he had another famous line winning is a great Deodorant
2: <laughs> doesn't matter, right? If you stunk last week, all is well. If you got the dub this week, yeah. 100%. He also
1: said, "Don't worry about the horse being blind; just load the wagon,
2: all right? Just go. You'll get there, <laughs> one way or another. It's all right." He's the kind of guy that you yeah. probably it's would quirky. have liked yeah. to
1: play for, mm-hmm. right? You probably would have run through a wall for this guy. Yeah. John Madden's presence still felt today; certainly missed to this day. Happy heavenly birthday, MJ! You said it perfectly. To John Madden, who would have been 87 years old today. You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. Andrew Levy with MJ Acosta Ruiz. MJ, press that button over there, please. Okay. Thank you. And now we continue our (laughs) countdown to the 2023. It's a virtual button. There is no button there. I've (laughs) revealed my secret. Presented by Verizon, the 2023 NFL Draft presented by Verizon, April 27th, 28th, and 29th. Coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, April 27th. Today, MJ, we turn to the keeper of the 13th overall pick in round one, the MetLife Stadium roommate with... Gang green affiliation, Mm. the New York Jets. Okay, MJ, you have New York roots. Born in Washington Heights. I sort of see you like living a musical out there. Thank you, Oh, I wish. Thank you, Lin-Manuel Miranda. You don't claim either Giants or Jets fandom. You are famously, of course, a Dolphins fan. Most of your youth spent in Miami. But there is a vibe that you know. There is an attitude that you remember. There's a defiance in the eye and the face and the speech and the swagger of every single NFL fan, no matter what colors they rock. When I say Jets, where does your mind go?
2: (laughs) So many places. I go so many places because... I do have a lot of friends and a lot of family who are Jets fans and they are my direct division rivals, right? So there were so many times, twice a year, where we'll gather and it was a split right across the room. So on that game day, we're trash talking. We're, we're, we're not friends in that moment, but it is, it is really cool to, to think back on those game days, right? Because, man, Jets fans, you'll know it. If they're a Jets right off the bat, immediately they wear it with pride. They go hard for their team. I think most NFL teams, uh, NFL fans do, but with the Jets fans, it's just there's a different level to it. There's a different level to it, and I think even within that New York rivalry, there's Giants fans, very discernible, and Jets fans, and like the line is not thin, it's not blurred. It's a big old block. You know who stands on which side. So living in New York, and at that time when I was, you know, I was there until I was 13. I wasn't really into American football like that. It was all about basketball and baseball. So the reason I'm a Dolphins fan, of course, is because once I got to Miami was really when I started diving deeper into the NFL. And so that became my team still to this day. Um, And I remember so vividly just learning about the division. And I'm like, oh, man, now I get why they were so fired up for so long. Every Sunday at my Theo's house, like cooking out, but watching these games And, and so then I started to look at it from a different perspective because I was so somewhat dismissive of the fandom when I was younger, because I didn't really get it. I wasn't in the fight. Now I very much have a horse in the race and, and it's just, it's such a cool rivalry. I think divisional rivalries are so important. And without the Jets, you know, Dolphins fans, who are we going to talk smack to?
1: Okay. So you had friends who, and family who were Jets fans Mm -hmm. more so than Giants fans?
2: uh no it's pretty even even in, in, like, like depended on the said, borough giants
1: fans jets fans never the twain shall meet never no yeah. you are either one or the other in yep. my estimation i usually see mets fans also being jets typically fans, yes and giants fans also being yankees, yankees fans right yes um and i get a sense now correct me if i'm wrong because this is not meant to be disparaging it's mm-hmm. meant to be uh only my perspective on what i believe i have seen and yeah. felt that there is a little bit mm-hmm. of an insecurity complex a little bit of a less than in the Mets and Jets side totally. of things yeah. that it, that comes with a with a super extra layer of defiance mm-hmm. that yes you chose the easier path Giants and Yankees yeah. fans Flashy, you have all these titles yeah. and all these Super Bowls we have the one we have the you know we have a, the 1969 <laughs> Mets and we've got that Super Bowl three with Namath yeah and we're and the 86 with the Mets yep. of course and we're fine with that and yes we're gonna buy it our time until the next one comes so you get a sense that there's a little bit of envy a little bit of uh overcompensation for that which they don't have oh yeah is that am i reading that right you
2: hit the nail on the head i think there (laughs) is this like for lack of a better phrase like this little brother situation like oh man it's easy for you to say you're on the varsity squad with all the big names and the leather jacket and we're just here scrapping it out right trying to make a name for ourselves and it's tough when you're in a market like new york Where not only is there so much more going on, but when there are institutions like the Giants, like the Yankees, and people latch onto that and don't move, and they do feel like the juggernaut there, you can understand why there's that level of pettiness and why there's that level of grit from Jets and Mets fans, you know? So it, it's interesting to see the two. I love going in my comments, like, on, ga- on game days. Like, Oh, man, it's hysterical because I can point out, before I even finish reading the comment, I'm like, oh, this is going in a Jets direction. Yep, there it is. <laughs> it's and going I in love a that. I love that about you guys. Please never change, Jets fans. Never change.
1: Looking ahead to the draft, they have six draft picks with which to address their needs, mm-hmm. according to NFL.com. Those needs include offensive line defensive tackle and safety those the three areas of most pressing need according to nfl.com they have a first round pick two in the second one in the fourth one in the fifth one in the sixth if you are the gm putting your gm hat on for the new york jets for game green what would you like them to address what would you like to see them come out of draft week with
2: you know what's interesting is that they have such a good base now in this young squad they've got a phenomenal defensive rookie of the year in their corner in sauce. They've got a great offensive rookie of the year in Garrett Wells. I mean, it's unbelievable. I think building depth, building around them is is the way to go. Making sure that they continue that youth, these young scrappy guys who aren't scared of anybody. That can fit into that culture that Robert Sala is building in that locker room. Um I think it starts With Robert, we've talked about this from the moment that he became the head coach there, and I think he has that eye and that keen understanding on how to build a young squad who can win in the immediate future, not just looking ahead five years. Look, He was part of that process with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch in San Francisco, and he was there part building that defense, but he is acutely aware of what it takes to build through the draft and to build with the young guys, so if you're looking at how much draft capital they have and what they could do, pay very close attention to what the Jets are doing. As a division rival, I certainly am.
1: You watched Robert Sala up close when you were covering the 49ers Mm -hmm. in Northern Cal. David Carr remembers Robert Sala Back in the day when he was a rookie, mm-hmm. uh, his first years in Houston, Robert Sala was on that staff. And David Carr said the the last time I believe Derek met with the Jets, right, as part of his process yeah. before you know choosing to go to New Orleans. But David came back and said something to us. You were nodding your head because I think your experience with Robert Sala tells the same story. Yeah. If you take a meeting with Robert Sala, Every time you walk out of that room, you believe that you are going to win the Super Bowl, yep. that you can win the Super Bowl, that you are capable of great things, greater things than maybe you even anticipated before you walked into a meeting with him. He is a shaper of minds. He mm-hmm. is a leader of men, as they say. Yep. You like this guy. Is he the right guy at the right time for this team?
2: 100%. No question. Um, I, th- I think the exact words that David said via his brother— uh, were that Robert Sala made it very hard to say no. That's saying a ton. Yes, it is a ton. One of my favorite Robert Sala stories is I remember my first season here at the NFL Network covering the 49ers going on the road. Before every single game, home or away, Robert Sala is out there early as heck because you know we start early for game day morning, running the stairs of the stadium. And I remember asking him like, Coach, I know you're you're you've been an athlete your whole life, but it's not about that. He goes, No. I need to get a sense for this stadium. I need to get a sense for what it feels like here, not only as somebody who has a player mindset, but now as a coach leading these guys. Yes, it clears my mind because I love the exercise, but also it helps me navigate through what we're about to do on the field. So it's my moment of clarity to bring that to my guys inside the locker room. So it was so much deeper than just like, all right, coach has got to get a quick workout in before the game. No, he was always thinking about, the next layer of it and how he could bring that to his team. So when you're leading a young team at that, it's crucial. It's crucial. And you can understand why people latch onto him, trust him and believe in him more than anything else.
1: Do we believe what we have been told and what we have felt for all of these weeks, that in fact, Aaron Rodgers will end up playing for the New York Jets and starting for the New York Jets week one of the 2023 season. Please tell me this is going to happen.
2: Yeah, I think it will. I really do. I think it, it there might be a little more drawn out than, than we want it to be, obviously. And for once, I actually don't think it's Aaron's fault here. <laughs> like, I really don't. He said it. We know that, that the team definitely wants him there. It's about making sure the Packers are trying to make sure they get the full value for their future Hall of Fame quarterback. Okay, I you know? wanted
1: to make sure that just to clarify that because, you know, to set the table, here's the feast, here's the last question. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for your time today. MJ Costa ruiz I wouldn't be surprised if the 2023 New York Jets did what?
2: I wouldn't be surprised if the 2023 New York Jets gave my Dolphins a good run for their money. I will not go as far as saying they're going to win the division. No, no, because you know where my alliances lie.
1: I sure do. Um, but
2: they're going to make it real tough.
1: Yes, you're, look, your alliances are never at the expense of the truth. They're <laughs> never at the expense yeah. of reality. You are willing to call out what is happening, even if it's inconvenient and even if it hurts. Yeah. This strikes you as a potential playoff team with Aaron Rodgers?
2: Yes, I do. But my biggest question and why I can't say that, um, my phantom aside, is because I don't fully trust in Aaron Rodgers going in there with these young guys and pouring into them the way that they need him to be. Prove me wrong. I mean, that's not what you did the last couple of seasons with your former team that you've been with your entire career. So why now suddenly? That's my biggest question. And that's, I think, going to be one of the bigger hurdles for this team to really come together just because you're excellent at your job, which of course Aaron Rodgers is. There's a lot of other things that have to go right and that have to work.
1: history say about the New York Jets? Well, they will be entering their 64th season in the NFL. Their origin story dates to 1960. Overall record, it's not a winning record. 421 wins, 537 losses, eight ties. Their playoff record, a little bit better than that. It's 12 wins and 13 losses. Their last playoff appearance, however, was all the way back in 2010. 12 straight seasons without a playoff Appearance is the longest active streak in the NFL. One Super Bowl appearance, one Super Bowl win. Of course, that famously guaranteed victory by Joe Namath over the Colts in Super Bowl III.
3: The game is over. The New York Jets are the world champions. They have upset the Baltimore Colts and beat them handily here
1: today. Their winningest coach, one of the best names in all of sports history, Weeb Eubank. 71 wins, 77 losses, and six ties for Weeb. Five retired jersey numbers. Number 12, you all know who that belongs to, Joe Namath. Now, of course, that number may come out of retirement. Joe Namath has reportedly said he, of course, would be willing to bring that number out of retirement as long as it is on the back of another future Hall of Famer, one Aaron Rodgers. Don Maynard's number 13 is a retired number, Curtis Martin's number 28, Joe Klecko's number 73, and Dennis Bird's number 90. The Jets claim no fewer than 20 pro football Hall of Famers, including, yes, Joe Namath and Joe Klecko and Curtis Martin, but also Kevin Lawai and Don Maynard. Okay, so that's what they were. What are they now? Well... Let's go to recent history. What were they in 2022? A tale of two units, not altogether unusual in the NFL. The Jets' offense, their NFL rank, 25th. Their scoring offense ranked 29th. Their third down offense ranked 28th. And in the red zone on offense, they were ranked 31st. This is a unit in need of modernization, in need of youth in need of execution this is a unit in need of help but don't forget they have a promising young running back who was injured early in the season one Brees hall toss sweep to the left
3: ball with blockers in front has a crease to the 45 to the 50 left sideline 40 down the sideline 30. he's gone 20 10 5 touchdown Brees hall House call.
1: And as MJ mentioned before, there is the reigning offensive rookie of the year, Garrett Wilson.
4: Looks up the scene, fires, caught, touchdown, Garrett Wilson scores.
1: You add to that unit, Alan Lazard, who has a familiarity with the person who is expected, of course, to be the quarterback heading into the 2023 season, Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers to throw, looking around, throws, end zone, touchdown, Alan Lazard. And an O line that needs a little bit of help, certainly according to NFL.com, but get that scheme right, get that system right, with a quarterback who's going to get rid of the ball on time quicker than Jets fans have seen in years. This could be a very, very promising unit. And, of course, the entire team is based on the other unit, on the other side of the ball. The Jets' defense, the ranking for the Jets' defense, total defense ranked fourth in the NFL. Scoring defense ranked fourth in the NFL. Passing defense third sauce gardner picks it off and he
3: is celebrating behind the end zone to our right the jets get it right back
1: they were fourth in the red zone they were second in terms of yards per play now they were 29th in the nfl at creating turnovers that will be a focus of intention in the draft you know that for sure they were a top 10 unit at generating sacks
3: the jets rush five they get the pass rush through and a sack again it's quinn and williams
1: their rushing defense was tied for 16th Little middle of the pack there you know they will want to improve that as well off-season activity for a team that finished seven and ten last year here are the guys who left the building wide receiver braxton barrios mike white nathan Shepard, sheldon rankins dan feeney james robinson and elijah moore as for who came into the building. Safety Chuck Clark in that trade with Baltimore. Alan Lazard, of course. Wes Schweitzer. Thomas Morstead. Mecole Hardman from the reigning Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs, and quarterback Tim Boyle for a little bit of depth in that quarterback room in the absence of Mike White. They did re-sign Safety Will Parks, linebacker Quincy Williams, Greg the Leg, Greg Zerline, and defensive lineman Solomon Thomas. Important to keep those pieces in the building. As I mentioned before, they have six draft picks with which to address their needs, O-line, D-tackle, and safety, one in the first round. That's the 13th overall pick. They pick 42nd and 43rd in the draft as well. Those are both second-round selections. They pick in the fourth, they pick in the fifth, and they have one pick in the sixth. What will they do with those picks, and what will this team be? Well, doubt them at your own peril. What's past is not necessarily prologue. History does not necessarily teach us much, especially when the most important position on the field may get an upgrade of the MVP variety. So take everything you thought you knew about the Jets and throw it out the window. This is a team with a bright new future, youth on offense, youth on defense, and a steady, Hand, an MVP hand at quarterback with the coach that we just said could have you run through a wall with belief for him. That is a dangerous combination. MJ Acosta Ruiz, thank you so much for joining us today. You are a lot of things, but one of them is not a Jets fan.
3: <laughs> so once
1: again, I will have to unceremoniously ask you to find the exit. You're no longer welcome here as we throw open the doors to the NFL Hall of Fame. <laughs> that's right Jets fans only please please come right in don't worry about MJ she's on her way out yes please come right in <laughs> fans like Dan Hansis, Dan Hanses of around the NFL podcast fame who is a lifetime Jets fan why is he a Jets fan well Dan says that Jets fandom is something you are born into his father Keith handed it down to me and it remains a source of tension between us of all the things to hand down to him dan Hansis' father keith handed down jets fandom is it a curse is it a burden or is it a blessing well it depends on the year i suppose it depends on the week dan Hansis' favorite all-time jet wayne krabet
3: pennington has a man open it's the reliable Wayne
1: Krebets. There's an unexpected answer, Wayne Krebets. Why? Because Dan Hansis likes the fact that Wayne Krebets was the ultimate underdog. Dan's best ever moment as a Jets fan: Rex Ryan and Mark Sanchez beating the 14 and 2 Patriots in Foxborough in the divisional playoffs. That was 2010.
3: Rex Ryan said, "I have to be better than Bill be- Le- Belichick on one day." this one's a shocker.
1: Dan parenthetically reminds us that was the Bart Scott can't wait game. Dan says it would be the perfect draft for his Jets if Jalen Carter falls to 13 and they grab him there. And finally, Dan Hansa says, I would not be surprised if the Jets are in Arrowhead Stadium to face the Chiefs in the divisional playoffs. I like the faith from Dan. He sees his Jets as a playoff team. I, for one, a lover of changing narratives, wouldn't turn that down one bit. I love the idea of the Jets making it back to the playoffs, having a game of consequence against the defending Super Bowl champion. What a wonderful opportunity that would be for gang green. Dan Hansis, thank you so much for sharing. Fans like editor Josh Rubin whose favorite ever player, Curtis Martin. He was the best player on that team, Josh says, in the golden years of my fandom. As for why he is a Jets fan to begin with, Josh says, well, I'm from Long Island, and I got into sports in 1998, the year the Jets took off. Is that true? We're going to have to check you on that one, Josh. I asked him if he felt a little cursed that he chose the Jets over another NFL team. His answer? Always. <laughs> I'm a Jets fan and a Mets fan and a Knicks fan and an Islanders fan, Josh laments, and I've never experienced a championship at any level in my entire lifetime. It's a constant misery, he admitted. Hope sometimes, but misery always. So why do you do it, I asked. Here was his response, and it proves the hope part of his equation. He said that one day it'll all be worth it, and not one of the titles the Patriots have will have felt half as good as the one I'm going to get. His best memory as a Jets fan on the field, those 2009-2010 seasons, you remember the back-to-back AFC Championship game seasons. And then one story off the field, a moment and a memory he will never forget. It was his 20th birthday. Josh and a bunch of friends were at a movie theater watching Pineapple Express, he remembers. In the middle of the movie, he gets a tap on the shoulder from one of his boys, who leans forward and whispers, the Jets just traded for Brett Favre. Josh couldn't restrain the joy he felt in that moment. He recalls getting up and announcing over and over again, really loudly in the theater, the Jets got Brett Favre, the Jets got Brett Favre. The response from the crowd in that dark room, shut up. Josh says it'll be the perfect draft for his Jets if they manage to keep the first-round pick they have in the deal the Packers and Jets ultimately make for Aaron Rodgers. He says, I really hope they use that 13th pick to draft some O-line tackle protection for Aaron Rodgers. And finally, Josh Rubin says, I wouldn't be surprised if my Jets made the
4: playoffs.
0: And fans like Jeremy
1: Bergman, digital content editor, Jeremy Bergman. This is a fan with a picture of Rich Kotite as his slack thumbnail if there is any question about his devotion to the gang green cause. His favorite ever player, wait for this one. Here's a blast from the past, Jericho Kotchery. Why? Because he was sure-handed, Jeremy remembers. Crossed over the Favre and Rex Ryan generations, he was reliable. That's what I liked most about him. I even have his jersey. Well, reliable like you, Jeremy Bergman. Don't you ever doubt it. Don't you ever forget it. His best Jets memory, the 2009 season, but not the end. Not the run to the AFC Championship game, Week 2. The second game of the Rex Ryan era, beat Brady held the Patriots, he recalls, to under 10 points. Rivas even picked Brady off in that game, and the stadium went mad. Days like that, he says, are special memories indeed. As for why he is a Jets fan, Jeremy Bergman says, I was born on the East Coast in the New York area. My grandfather and my father were Jets season ticket holders. This is back in the Shea Stadium days. He says his grandfather had switched over from the Yankees to the Mets. Why? Get a load of this one, listener, because the Yankees were winning too much. Incredible. It seems outrageous, and yet in a weird kind of way, I kind of get it. And of course, once that was done, the transition from Yankees to Mets, well, being a Mets and Jets fan, that just went hand in hand. Jeremy says it'll be the perfect draft if they make their moves either for Aaron Rodgers or with Aaron Rodgers already on the roster. And he said, I wouldn't be surprised if my Jets contend for the AFC East division title. But don't forget, he said, Jets fans always expect the worst.
3: Broken play. Mark Sanchez scrambles up the middle. Lost the football. It's picked up. He ran right into the back of Brandon Moore.
4: Fumbled the ball. It's picked up and running into the end zone with the loose ball for a touchdown is Steve Gregory. Are you kidding me?
1: He said, don't forget what Jets stands for. Just embrace The sadness. J-E-T-S. Just embrace the sadness. He said there's other versions. Just embrace the suffering. Or the favorite for many Jets fans over the years. Just end the season. Well, that's the existence of being a Jets fan. That juggle between hope and misery. But if Aaron Rodgers does come to the Jets, as we expect him to do, and if you recall how good this young offense and this young defense is, You've got the reigning Offensive Player of the Year, Garrett Wilson. Pair that with a returning Brees Hall. Pair that with Alan Lazard. Now you look at that defense with Quinn and Williams on that line. And, oh, the Defensive Rookie of the Year, Sauce Gardner, on the backside. This is a recipe for success. So maybe, Jets fans, before you start banding about your just end the season, just embrace the suffering, maybe there's some hope to embrace as well. And maybe you can carry that hope all the way through the season. I personally love changing narratives. So for the Jets to contend again, I'm okay with that. I wanna thank today's very special guest, MJ Acosta Ruiz for her time. And of course, I wanna thank all of the Jets fans who sounded off and shared their stories of triumph, a couple stories of misery, but yes, the hope, the eternal hope that they always feel. Thank you so much, Jets fans. Congratulations, this day belongs to you. I want to invite the listener to join us tomorrow because that day belongs to the Cleveland Browns. What will the Cleveland Browns be in 2023? What were they in 2022? What are their team needs in the draft? And how will they address them? Will this team finally be the team we expected them to be with Deshaun Watson as their quarterback? Or will they be the mistake by the lake Yet again, that lake, of course, Lake Erie. Here's an idea. Be eerie in a good way, not in a scary way, not in a I've seen this horror movie before kind of way. Eerily good, eerily competitive. That's my hope for you. What will the future hold? We'll find out. We'll certainly ask about it tomorrow. Till then, ciao for now.